Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. I've been with the Council of Churches for two years, but I've served Episcopal churches in New Hampshire for 13 years before that. And this particular reading comes up every three years like clockwork. So I've been dealing with this one for a while, every time it rolls around on the cycle. And it's time uh, that I make a little confession. I tell you a little bit about my conversion uh, with this passage. Confessions and conversions are best done in church. So we'll uh, give you a little bit there. And I've worked on this for many years. We've done, used this passage in, in retreats, talking about prayer, uh, about that widow who kept coming and coming and coming to that judge. And I kept using that in my sermons and in the retreats that we would do in our congregations as things that if we just keep beating down the doors of God, if we keep going to the God the judge, if we keep going to that and keep praying and praying and praying. If we keep doing it eventually, if we just keep at it and stay persistent in prayer, God will grant us what we want. It's a direct, simple reading of the passage. It worked pretty well for a lot of retreats. It helped some people to keep their prayer lives going. But I have to confess, I was reading this time through and I, you know, it's one of those times I'm reading my Bible and you may have had this experience where you're reading your Bible and you're like, I need a little help with this. I, I, I'm, I'm getting stuck on some things, and I, I need some help. I need to think about it in a new way this time around. And as I was reading through this, uh, I was reading this parable about the judge, who I, right away, it was always my instinct to say that the character of the judge would be God, 
and the widow is all of us, right? That we are the ones who are supposed to pray and pray and pray, and God, in the position of authority and power, uh, I guess would eventually get sick of our prayers and give us what we want. And in that passage, I can't help but think, that's a pretty lousy depiction of the character of God. Of God who doesn't want our prayers, who gets sick of them, and begrudgingly gives us what we want. It's in direct contradiction to other passages where Jesus is so clear that God loves it when we pray. That God loves to give us good things as parents love to give gifts to their children. It takes away all of the images of the love of giving and the desire and joy with which God appreciates our prayer and instead turns that figure of an unjust judge into a divine sort of character. And I don't want to do that today. Because, after all, it says in the very first verse there that the judge does not care about God or the people. And first of all, I think God cares about us. God loves us. So this is already not a good picture of God. It is a judge in this story who has failed the two parts by not caring about God or other people, has failed to keep the greatest commandments, right? When Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments? Jesus said, you will love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. Here is a person who is refusing, who is uh, disobedient, who is rejecting the two great commandments that Jesus gave to us. And furthermore, I dare not be invited into a Lutheran church and tell you uh, a version of this parable that is salvation by works. That if we just keep praying and praying and we do enough religious good works, uh, God will eventually give us what we want because we were so justified by our good doings. If I told you that sermon, you should push me out of here and never have me come back ever again. Because as I started to puzzle over this passage, and I was looking at the character of the judge and the widow, I realized myself, and here comes more confession, that as I prayed about this, I realized I look a lot of the times more like the judge than the widow. Right? That I often fail to keep God's commandments, to keep the command to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I fail to love my neighbor as myself. We come every Sunday and we open our services with confession for exactly that reason, that I'm actually a heck of a lot more like the judge, the unjust judge, the one who refused to listen to God or neighbor than I am the one who just, I'm certainly not the woman who prayed too much. Uh, No one has yet uh, convicted me of, of that. Because here's one of the troubles, is that when we refuse to listen to God, when we refuse to listen to the needs of our neighbors, as that judge was doing, not only have we started to um, disobey those great commandments, which we know and we, we carry them in our hearts and we write them everywhere, to love God and to love our neighbor, it's so difficult. Because when we start, we actually make our lives harder when we refuse to love God and love others. It actually takes a lot of work when we hear the cries of people who need us, who need us to help them and to serve them. Uh, We do a lot of work to rationalize why we do that, right? 
It's a whole lot of work when, we, uh, I, when I drive my car and I see a person on the side of the road with that sign and I have to talk, think to my, all the reasons why I'm not going to do anything for that guy. Well, I just know how he's going to spend it. Well, I just know there's other things he should do. I know all of the reasons he should go to a service. He should go somewhere else. And I can think of all the reasons why I shouldn't actually just do the thing he's asking me to do. I could sit here and think about all the times that I have made myself too busy to take care and to listen and respond to the needs of others. Right? I can fill my life up so that I'm so busy and so full that I make my life harder by not just loving people and listening when they ask. It's actually much, much easier to respond with love when people ask us to do that than when we listen to what they need. I also enjoy in this parable, as I was reading through, uh, the, the, the New Revised Standard Version that we just read here, uh, the judge actually... It's, it's one of the worst translations in the New Revised Standard because it says that the judge is concerned. He said that this woman will wear me out by continually coming to me. Wear me out is not what the Greek says. I looked it up. I was reading through there, and I, I looked it up in my big dictionary because I don't know it. I was looking through there. And says, the word that's there is actually to give me a black eye <laughs> or to strike in the face specifically. So the judge has actually become worried that by refusing to listen and to respond uh, to this woman's request, he's actually he's not saying I'm, she's going to wear me out. He's saying the next time she sees me, I'm getting a black eye. <laughs> uh, he knows what's about to come because that widow's persistence that's there, the widow who persistently keeps coming and says, give me justice, give me justice, give me what is right, give me what is uh, just give me what I deserve in whatever the case that was there. And we start hearing that voice over and over and over again, so much like we go out into the world and we hear the needs of the world around us. They come to us and they come to us and we know that God wants us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we rationalize it away. We, we make ourselves too busy to respond. We come up with excuses and reasons not to do it. And that widow who keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. I can think of all of those Bible stories that we read and we teach our kids about all of the times that characters in the Bible had to have somebody come to them over and over and over again. Moses, who was out keeping the uh, sheep on, of his father-in-law Jethro when he had heard about the slavery of the people of the Hebrew people in Egypt. He had God come to him, and still Moses made excuses. I don't talk too good. Uh, what about my brother Aaron? Uh, I don't want to go to Pharaoh. I don't want to go. Uh, give me a staff. Give me a sign. I need all this stuff. God had to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming until Moses finally gave in, right? That Esther, in the book of Esther, that people kept coming to her. The, the survival of the Jewish people was at risk. In, in, um, when the survival of Jew, the Jewish people was at risk, people kept coming. She saw the problem. She heard from the people. And finally, Mordecai comes to her and says, if you keep silent, God will find somebody else to be a savior for these people. But if you will finally use your position and use your voice, you will need to use that for such a time as this. 
and can rescue the Jewish people from extinction, right? That someone had to keep coming and keep coming. In the book of Acts, chapter 8, Philip is standing by the roadside and this Ethiopian eunuch comes along. And this, if you read that story, this, uh, somebody is prompting Philip like five times to talk to that guy and share the gospel with him over and over and over. And then we have uh, stories like Paul who persecuted the Christians, who kept chasing after them, and, and eventually God had to knock him off his horse and shine a light on it. God kept coming after Saul over and over and over until he became the apostle Paul to go and proclaim the gospel around the world of all these biblical figures where God kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. It's like they say at the end of Psalm 23, which we also have a miserable translation of, and I'll tell you why. Because you know, the, you know Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's probably, uh, if it's your grandmother's house is like mine, there's a needlepoint version of it in the bathroom uh, somewhere. Uh, we love that little, the poetry of it. And at the end, you know the verse, surely your goodness and your mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Yeah, but follow me is not what's there in the Hebrew. That's not what David put down when he was writing that psalm. The word for follow me, when I see your goodness and your mercy will follow me. I get these pictures in my head, like little Bo Peep in a big frou-frou dress with little lambs with big you know, eyelashes following her around. It's a sweet, almost sicky little picture, <laughs> a sickly little picture. Your goodness and your mercy will follow me. The word that's there is more like pursuing and chasing. They're hunting me down. That God's goodness and God's mercy are surely chasing me down. And they will not stop until they catch up with me. And someday God's goodness and God's mercy will catch up with me and change me. And they will reach out to any one of us, right? That there is this voice like Moses and Esther and Philip and Paul and all those other Bible characters had the, the God of mercy and goodness who kept coming and kept coming and they refused they rationalized it. They made themselves busy. They had their excuses, and God kept coming and kept coming until that goodness and mercy finally broke through. And we realized that the picture of the judge and the widow, that the widow, when we hear that voice, give me justice, give me justice, that the widow is giving us the voice of God. That God is not the wicked judge. God is not the one who cares not for God nor for the people. But God's voice is found in the woman who keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming until somebody like me finally gives in, probably afraid that he's about to get punched in the face <laughs> uh, for not listening. We realize where that voice is coming from. We know what that voice is because we've seen it all over the Holy Scriptures. And so we realize that when we go out from here, we're going to go out and maybe you'll be a part of the reconciling conversation. Maybe you'll be a part of something. You'll go home. You'll turn on the news. You'll go out and see that person on the street. Maybe you'll see some. I don't know where you're going to go, but you're going to hear somebody asking for that justice, for that goodness, for that mercy, asking us to love God and love our neighbor. And we will realize that it's not just another person asking for help we will realize that that person is the persistent widow. That when we hear that cry for help out in the world, we will realize that is the voice of God speaking to me, asking, will this be the chance that I finally give in?
to love of God and love of neighbor? Will I finally give in to God's mercy and goodness finally catching up with me and invading my heart? We will hear it in the voice of our immigrant sisters and brothers as we try to organize through the Council of Churches. We'll hear it through uh, the people who are uh, uh, in, our, in our state who are suffering with substance use disorders and need the ministries of the church to reach out to them. Uh, we will hear it because we know uh, what uh, Dorothy Day has told us, uh, the great Catholic, uh, 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 Catholic worker leader Dorothy Day, who said, the person who cannot find Christ in the poor is an atheist indeed. It'll be the person who tells us, like Bishop Duncan Gray, an Episcopal bishop uh, who uh, was in Mississippi, he was the bishop of Mississippi in the civil rights struggle. And people would come to him from the churches and say, oh, bishop, why do we have to live in difficult times like this? Why does the church, the white church, have to go through this civil rights struggle? Why couldn't we live in peaceful times? And he gave them two answers. He said, one, these times were meant to change you. They were meant to make us shake off our complacency, to make us rethink our privilege. These times were meant for us to challenge us like the persistent widow coming over and over again. And he also said that you were made for these times, that you were made of all the billions of years of creation, of all the infinite wisdom of God, that God made you for this moment. Not to live 100 years ago or 100 years from now, but to live right here and right now, to hear these voices and realize that it is God speaking to you to bring goodness and mercy, to bring, have our hearts changed by love of God and love of neighbor. Because here I think we find a, a new look and a fresh look at our Christian faith. And if if we have a faith that can take over our hearts with goodness and mercy, with love of God and love of neighbor, then that is a faith that's the worth holding on to. It's a faith that I know is, in fact, worth coming back here every Sunday to confess that we failed and we're going to do it again by God's grace and goodness, with God's forgiveness. It's a faith that's the worth sharing with other people. It's a faith that's worth teaching our children every single Sunday. It's a faith not by works of prayer and all of that that can save us. This is the kind of faith that I know can save us, and it's the kind of faith that I am convinced will save the world. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.